Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Place podcast, your podcast for strategies on the future of place and the evolving relationships between people, place, technology, and data. My name is Adam Beck. I'm host of the podcast. And at the Future of Place, we believe that place is the superior driver for our economy, an accelerator for sustainability, productivity, and inclusivity in our cities, communities, and towns. The work that we're doing is guided by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, what we refer to as the Global Goals. You can find out more about our work at the Future of Place if you head to our website, futureofplace.global. But for now, let's discuss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Place podcast. My name is Adam Beck, your host of the podcast, and my day job is Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. Thanks for joining us for another episode today. We're going to be talking about 20-minute neighbourhoods, and joining me today is James Mant from the Department of Environment, Land, Water, and planning in Victoria. James is Director of Places and Precincts. James, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this one, James. I've got a bit of a sort of personal attachment to the concept of 20-minute neighbourhoods. But uh, before we jump into our conversation, can I get you to share with our viewers who you are and what you do? Sure, no problem. Yeah, well, you gave the title. So yeah, working with the department here in in Victoria, um, I'm a town planner. I've been working for 20 plus years in planning, worked in, started in the UK, Ireland, came to Australia, and recently have been working more recently last few years on Plan Melbourne and leading the 20 minute neighbourhood policy work for, for the government here in, in Victoria. James, can I ask the question about how you got into that role, that job? Did you fall into it? Did you create it? Was it advertised? Because you don't see that kind of a role advertised every day of the week. Yeah, good question. I, it sort of kind of fell into it. I, I, I started working in the department as a sort of more statutory kind of planning role. And then I realized that I was more interested in strategic and I was always looking for roles in the strategic kind of area of the department. And I, I ended up applying for a job um, of principal planner in the department. Then the review of Plan Melbourne came and, and that's really what pushed me in this direction was working on Plan Melbourne. So I, I worked on delivering Plan Melbourne, writing the policy. There was a refresh. So really getting to know the plan really well, the issues, strategic issues facing Melbourne. And then when, once Plan Melbourne was complete and released, I, I was like, well, I now want to implement part one of the key parts of that plan, which is 20 mm. minute neighbourhoods. So here um, we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So it's sort of partly kind of trying to steer into the direction of strategic but also being lucky to find myself in the right place at the right time as well to some extent yeah well sometimes that's all it takes and um i think it's a great opportunity uh for the people of victoria to have that dedicated role let's now move to our four questions 20 minutes james that's how we mm. do it here yeah i'm going to start by uh, really giving you the mic back 
providing an mm. opening statement, general views around the mm. idea of 20-minute neighbourhoods. What's, what's your opening statement there? Sure. Well, look, I, I guess to give listeners a bit of a background, really, um, not too detailed, but I mentioned Plan Melbourne. So Plan Melbourne is the metropolitan strategy for um, Melbourne until 2050. So it's it's how do we manage growth and how do we manage that change over time? And it's really thinking, you know, it's thinking big and strategically about how do we want to live and how do we address those big questions, um, you know, that we all need to, like, for example, climate change. And, of course, now the pandemic, which I'll come back to. It's this idea of 20-minute neighbours is a key platform. of It's a principle underpinning the plan. It really, I, I kind of describe it as Plan Melbourne in a neighbourhood. It, it, it covers everything. And it, I guess we would describe it as a term we call living locally. Um, other people describe it as, as walkable urbanism or walkable places or um, you know going back to kind of that walkable kind of um, neighborhood that perhaps you might look at in, in um, you know you, a common more in Europe and that kind of thing so it's really about being able to what we'd say is access your daily needs within a, a 20 minute return walk from home um, where you can, you know, access cycling and transport. That's kind of the, the basics of the policy. And I, I suppose it's also really important to say this is also really part of a global movement in terms of delivering on the sustainable development goals. It's important to look up and say, well, you know, this is this is a real global to local initiative. You know, we, we recognise you've got these goals um, and we actually need to implement those. And this is actually a really great example of bringing that global to, to state or to national, to state, to, to council, to neighbourhood, you know, actually delivering delivering on, on sustainable development. And I kind of often say it's really, really we're looking back to go forward. You know, we've had a long period of time where, where planning has sort of been dominated by cars and but prior to that, we had a, a long history of human-centered, people-focused settlement, and really, we it, it was it worked well, you know, and it was quite sustainable. So perhaps we need to really go back. Some people call it timeless urbanism, this, you know, mm. really, really sort of looking back to to go forward. But also, we are changing, and we've got technology which can help us deliver. And I think it's important to not necessarily think that all technology and, and, and solutions that could be brought about through like driverless cars or you know that kind of thing is going to solve everything but maybe it, it can help us deliver on these sort of timeless principles in terms of timeless urbanism so you know the, th the types of things that we we care about as part of 20 minute neighborhoods are you know um, active transport um, encouraging people to walk and cycle high quality design you know good public spaces and places for people to walk to um, those services and facilities that you, you can have locally. One of the key things is, is around density and making sure you've got the right density to, to have the people near to the things that they want to walk to. So that's, that's important. It's, it's a, it's a tricky one to deal with, but um, that's, that's really important. Um, and, and really it's about supporting those local centers, you know, those lo small local centers, that people might live near that they can walk to. So that's probably my my, my main opening yeah. on 20 Minute Neighbours. Well, look, there's a there's a couple of points in there, James, that really resonated 
planner to planner, the idea of mm. those timeless principles, absolutely. And there's moments where I listen to policymakers and practitioners that move in the 20 minute neighborhood circles and movements. Mm. And there's moments where I just say to myself, well, that's kind of just timeless good planning, isn't yep. it? Density, yep. design, places for mm. people and things like that. Let's turn to the second question now. More specifically, you know, where are we at? What is mm. the state of play mm. with 20-minute neighbourhoods? You sort of mentioned a little bit in there from your tone that the COVID pandemic mm. has been sort of an interesting intersection into the work. Can you share with us your response to this, the second question now around the state of play of 20-minute neighbourhoods? Yeah, sure. The state of play is is really fascinating, actually. I mean, first of all, this this concept has really gone global, and Melbourne is seen as leading as well. Which um, you know, I, I've been involved in conversations all across the world. You know, America, Europe, the UK, um, because I think due to the pandemic, it's really put a focus on this type of planning and and how important it is. Um, Obviously, we we're in Melbourne. I'm, I'm in Melbourne at the moment, and and you know we're we're, we're in on a, a very long lockdown. I think 226 days or something like that. So it, it has. We're actually in an experiment in a way of 20 minute neighbourhoods because we are restricted to our five kilometres, and it's put a real focus on. Well, what do I have, you know, in in my neighbourhood or in my five kilometres? Um, or what do I, what don't I have you know and I think people people have we've seen you know a real connection to local places you know people using their local centers a lot more people walking and using trails and, and open space a lot more we've also had like quite a few initiatives in Melbourne um, to support local centres. We've had a very successful outdoor dining initiative which was supported by the government. We've had other kind of parklet programs and all sorts where we've seen some really great um, use of public space in in neighborhoods um, which is really drawing people in people are using those those places a lot more and so I would say that the state of play is we're on the cusp of of something which which you know this is a disruptor this pandemic has become a disruptor to planning which in a weird way has actually put us in the position of being able to potentially implement what we've been trying to implement for many many years like decades you know this is it's actually not new a lot of this stuff it's been around for a very long time in terms of you know having a city of centers multiple centers that's been around for very you know since planning began really in victoria so it's not new it just but at the moment i think we've got a real golden opportunity to to sort of really think about this and implement and really implement it i mean we're already seeing it but yeah so i I feel like we're you know there is a growing movement around the world Mm. you know you've got paris and you've got you know barcelona that are actually really pushing ahead with it you've got um scotland who um, um the First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, in her in her speech to government, talked about 20-minute neighbourhoods and said mm. that that was a key platform. They're investing £250 million pounds into um, centre um, town centre renewal and £500 million into um, so walking and cycling initiatives. So they're really 
going great guns and putting money behind it. So you're seeing lots of things like this happening across the world. And I've been involved with a group called C40, which is um, mm. um, 40 of the world's mayors like Paris, um, New York, Melbourne and Sydney are both in there. And a key platform of what they're looking at in that group is um, 20 minute neighbors or some people call it 15 minute city or, or you know, refer to in different ways, but it's basically the same sort of concept. So state of play really at the front and center in planning at the moment. And I think, you know, looking like it's quite a good opportunity to, to sort of capitalize on that. James, let me come back at you with a sub question around this one. Mm. When I stroll down to my local suburban neighborhood center, yep. I have noticed some very clear emerging changes as a result of the last 12, 18 months. And I probably cite urban food delivery as one of those, um, yep. the Deliveroo's and Uber Eats and the, the, the e-bikes and the scooters. That's been a big change in sort of my local last mile, my 20 minute neighborhood. Has has there been a noticeable change in the last 12, 12 18 months for you in your local neighborhood or other neighborhoods? Mm. Anything really noticeable that you'd, you'd pick out? Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's a, it's not necessarily anything physical as in, mm -hmm. I mean, there, there are, there are some physical changes, you know, just, it's quite noticeable that streets are being repurposed for, for seating, public seating and, you know some temporary cycle lanes and that kind of thing so there is some physical noticeable things happening like that which which is great and they've been very successful um but i'd say for me i feel like it's a connection like i feel like for me personally i feel much more connected to my neighbors my local area i know you know it, it's kind of like you've i think prior to the pandemic our, our little neighborhood was sort of like a neighborhood around our office <laughs> in some ways yeah, yeah. Um, you sort of had two neighborhoods one around mm -hmm. your office and then one around where you live um but obviously we, we've a lot of people have been spending a lot more time in their local neighborhood so i, I have developed connections to the local the local like the cafe owner that, that i go to for a morning coffee I connect with them. My building that I, I live in, I often now chat to the building manager or the cleaner in the morning, you know, just connection to you see your neighbours more often. Yeah, I think for me, that's my, my personal most notable thing. And in some ways, it plays into that kind of idea of timelessness, you know, timeless, because yes. it, it sort of, I think perhaps we may have lost a bit of that connection, um, that community, and, and maybe maybe this is part of the same kind of discussion, you know, about having a strong community and, and people to support each other in their local area. You know, we're all going through a tough, we've all got something in common at the moment, you know, we're yes. all doing it tough. Um, and, and I do feel like there's, there's a sense of support, you know. Someone recently put it in an interesting way to me, we've never been more connected in person, but also digitally at the same time. Quite, quite a yeah. quite a sort of um bit of a head spin um, that, that, can i just make a yeah. point on that because I, that's a really interesting point because like on the flip side of what i was just saying there about local yeah i have never connected more internationally yes. than i have in the last 
year pretty much or year and a half I, honestly I, it's yeah. just opened things up so much and i think like we've we've developed a lot of connections uh, um work-wise through like I, I've, I work now closely with new south wales government which we had no connection believe it or not we had no connection before <laughs> i've worked with the town and country planning association in england very closely mm. um i've had briefings with scottish government you know um we as i said we talked to c40 people i've spoken to paris people in paris and new york you know never had i d done that before so i think that side of it has really opened up as well um which is which is really great because it's about sharing sharing this you know we've been able to share what we're doing and other people have been able to share what they're doing and learn from other people around the world that's not reinvent it you know yeah um so no that's good that's that's something just kind of really beautiful about that mm. james question three what's the big opportunity now where is the real value that can come from 20 minute neighborhoods you know we know some of those timeless principles but what can you what can you do in terms of a response to that one the big opportunity yeah it's it's really what i'm grappling with how can we how can we really capitalize on this to change really the way that we live and be more sustainable um so I think you know the opportunity for us in terms of the state government is working closely with councils which we already we're already doing and we're hoping to do more of so i think that's really important so you know there's an opportunity to really work closely with because essentially councils are the ones that are delivering a lot of this stuff so mm -hmm. they're, they're close to the neighbor they know their areas better than anyone but also you know working with the community so we we did a pilot program in 2018 2019 and we actually took a what we called a community partnership approach which is really just bringing the community along with us on this and, and and really educating and involving them from day one not telling them this is what we're doing it was more just this is what the concept is what do you think of it how do you think it applies to your neighborhood having that conversation because often in the planning world for those of the, those people who don't know planning it can really come down to some sort of really weird arguments in the end around you know a particular building and and a particular building height or something like that and it gets get because because it ends up in you know kind of like a, a court scenario with vcat here in um in victoria and really you think well what outcomes are we getting from that you know is anyone actually really happy is is it a good design you know is are the outcomes really what we what the community and what people want and and a lot of the time they're not so i think there's an opportunity to rethink how we really do planning you know how we how we um operate and um and try and do it in a bit more of a sophisticated way you know i mean i i think we need to be design led design thinking mm -hmm. um you know really talk about place you know it's it, and with the community understand the place really well and what the opportunity is for that place how we can improve it what the non-negotiables are you know we are growing we will continue we're having a bit of a hiatus at the moment with covid but we are growing um we will continue to grow we have to have that conversation with communities and places will change but it's how do we shape those places to get good outcomes and good designs but also give develop the development industry a bit more certainty because at the moment you know it's it, it can be quite a difficult process for everyone so 
yeah, I think look, there's an op there's a there's a real opportunity to I suppose scale up what we've been doing on twenty minute neighbourhoods, and and work more broadly, you know, with councils, developers, and the community and others to to get it to implement it basically. Maybe a follow on from that, James, and our last question here. You know, what's the final word from you? Your final thoughts? Maybe an element of more personal reflection. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to over the next 12, 18 months ahead? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm generally optimistic and excited about the direction that we're going in. I, I know planning can be quite negative and contentious, but I think that we have a really great story and a really great sort of vision that we can talk to people about. We, um, one of the things that is coming up in Victoria is we're, we're going to have to have a rethink and a look at Plan Melbourne, so the, the metropolitan strategy I talked about earlier. So there's an opportunity to, um, it's coming up for review next year, so there's an opportunity to really have a look at that and go, is it, what have we learned over the last few years um, and what things perhaps do we need to re-emphasise or give more emphasis to in Plan Melbourne um, and what are the what are the actions and um you know things that we're going to do um over the next the, the next five year period and we've got a, an election coming up next year here in victoria as well so you know i think the government's probably going to be looking at the next phase you know obviously we're going through coping with the situation at the moment with covid but there's going to come a point where we're you know, obviously going to be opening up and you know a lot of these local places and local centers um, local businesses small trade traders that kind of thing are going to need support so yeah I think it's quite exciting from a policy perspective with what's going to happen over the next couple of years so yeah I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that and I think having the conversations across government and with with others, I think is is going to be really important, um, and and building those relationships is across government as well to to get things delivered. So, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic and looking forward to that. I must say, as a non-practicing planner, it's just been a fascinating twelve to eighteen months to observe and listen, mm. uh, and and sort of take part in just really good structured dialogue about the future of our communities and cities. And in some way, I'm too very optimistic and looking forward to sort of our post-COVID sort of transition and conversation. Um, so thanks, James, so much for sharing those thoughts with us. We are at time on the podcast. I wanted to thank you very much for joining us and also on behalf of our listeners and our community and, and profession, really congratulate you on the what is award-winning work uh, that's been coming out of um, DELP for some time under your leadership. A big congratulations from all of us virtually. Uh, well done. And thanks so much for joining us today on the Future of Place podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So for our listeners, that was James Mant, who is Director of Places and Precincts at the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. For our listeners who aren't subscribing to the podcast, you can do so. Just head to your favourite podcast platform. You'll find us there, Future of Place. You can also head to our website, futureofplace.global. My name is Adam Beck, your host. We look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Thanks for joining us.